Welcome to At The Core, the intersection between neuroscience and fitness, where I have the pleasure and opportunity to speak to high performance movers and better understand how they apply neuroscience into their movement to make brain health and fitness more fun and effective. So today's guest is Brett Johnson. Brett is a former pro soccer player, having played in three states and four countries. He graduated from Augustana College with a degree in neuroscience. Using his experience in neuroscience and professional soccer to constantly search for innovative ways to help people around the world maximize their potential, he created his app, Switched On. The app is being used by over 150,000 people in over 200 countries. It is being used to improve sports performance, enhance injury prevention and rehabilitation routines, and improve overall quality of life. It's been used by professional athletes and coaches in over 10 major league sports like MLB, NBA, and NHL. Brett, welcome, and thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, Misha. Thank you for the opportunity and the incredible intro. Yes, absolutely. So I'm going to start with, you know, talking about life being all about reactions and how we like to think that we're in control, but the reality is, is we're constantly reacting to things in life and how we go about that. And there is a motto that you have as part of Switched On, which is perceive, decide, react. When driving, playing sports, walking your dog, why should someone listening to this care? Like if they're not a professional athlete or a professional athlete, why should they care about improving reaction specifically? Yeah, so this this idea of just reaction time or processing speed uh, is something that really controls everything we do every single day. So it's this neurological process that is perceiving outside information. So something that you see or hear, actually processing that information to make a decision, and then your body actually ac executing a physical movement, um, depending on whatever decision you made. So regardless of what you're doing, uh, if you're an athlete, so especially me being an athlete growing up, that's where I mostly focused on that. It, everything is based off reaction time. So you're never just mindlessly moving your body or you're never just, you know, uh, playing little games on your phone or just like doing random brain tests. It's a combination of the two. So this idea of combining the brain and body to react to things in everyday life it's just a really a, a part of everything that we do every single day. Yeah, so this idea like perceive, decide, mm -hmm. react, it seems simple enough. It seems like this idea of like the processing integration, the activities of different portions of the brain participating together. Can you explain what's actually happening in the brain? Like from the moment we see a color to in that perception and deciding what to do and acting on it, what is actually taking place in the brain that makes it worth practicing these types of drills? Right. So it, it's very, it's very simple to try to explain it 
as segments, right? So you, let's say you're perceiving a certain stimulus and that is simply reaction time or that's attention or that's decision-making, different areas of your brain. Um, but in reality, it's very complex. So it's kind of using all these different cognitive processes and cognitive skills, uh, three of the main ones being those three that I just listed. So reaction time, decision-making and attention. Um, and what's happening is depending on what you're actually reacting to, the focus of what part of your brain can actually be manipulated. So uh, for instance, if you are reacting to an arrow or a very simple stimulus, that could be more focused on reaction time where there's not as much cognitive processing or attention or decision-making needed. But if you were to do that same drill and you were to react to an arrow, but go in the opposite direction, that could be more focused on something like impulse control, which is very important for all areas of our life. Um, depending on what it is. So it's using that type of information into our training that combines both the brain and body to train uh, holistically all these different areas of brain with your physical performance. So you kind of mentioned it already about um, these stimuluses, about impulse control versus reacting to something that you actually mm -hmm. see. Let's talk about the app a little bit and, and how you've created it. So for those that don't know much about Switched On, I will try to summarize it in one sentence. It has visual and or audio cues with colors, arrows, and or numbers. And this is an important and or because you can combine visual and audio. You can combine some colors with some numbers with some arrows and get a lot of different thought processes happening. So why? Why does this specific app help with these stimuli? And how does one use the app to help with those stimuli? Yeah, I, I didn't want to get too much into the app too quickly, too. So apologies <laughs> for that. Um, yeah, so it, it really, there's like three different ways you can use it. Like very simply put, you can customize your own drills. Uh, you know, you can create whatever stimuli and uh, different cues you want to use to fit your drill specifically. But we also have a whole library of preset drills that we have different experts in different sports or domains. Uh, create drills that are already preset for you that you can easily access. And it's really as simple as um, instead of doing physical training, so I, I could tell a story behind it, like kind of how I thought of it, was that I, growing up, I had to do a ton of training by myself, right? And it was always just like doing a physical movement over and over and over. But the problem was that when I would go into games, everything is done based off of reacting to something that you see or hear. So yeah. I was thinking, how can I make my training more game realistic that involves this reactive component using just your phone? Um, and I started, you know, making screen slides of different cues like colors, numbers, or arrows. And then I basically came to the conclusion that if you can customize them or have libraries of drills and programs already preset into an app, then it can be something where you kind of democratize it to people around the world. So. Um, really simply put, that's kind of how it is. Uh, it allows you to react to different information with physical movements to train both your brain and body. That's really amazing. You know, I, I think to myself, like you can have a runner that has the skills to run fast, but if they don't hear the gun go off as fast as the person next to them, they may always get second or lose the race, even though running is not the issue, you know, or you know, we talk more and more uh, about with soccer specifically, like your background, one of the ex-managers of, of Arsenal had stated, mm -hmm. and I've, I've used this in previous dialogue with other at the core guests, 
in stating that soccer over the last decade has seen its match in a way. The, the, the quality of skills has been developed. And so at this point, the next decade is going to be the cognitive decision-making, the reactive timing to allow those skills to be used at the appropriate time and make the player better in that way. But the actual skills themselves, people have kind of hit the creme de la creme. How, what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because like actually experiencing it, there obviously are physical differences in athletes at different levels. But when you get to a certain level, it really does plateau. Um, and what it comes down to is who can maintain composure and make good decisions consistently and quickly during games. And that's exactly what he's alluding to is the fact that your brain being able to perform better is what really separates those good from the great athletes. And there's a lot of like really interesting studies that are kind of using that same sort of approach where they're taking novice and elite athletes and comparing them solely on their cognitive abilities. And they're kind of seeing the same results in a lot of them. And obviously there's more research that needs to be, that needs to be done. But even that just kind of alludes to it more that this is a very untapped area of performance. And it's super exciting to be able to create something that can help us um, start to build up that cognitive ability. Well, and I think that the untapped aspect of performance is really interesting too, because obviously a lot of these things tend to filter from high performance sports athletes and then trickle down to the general person. But mm -hmm. that general person, it's not just a split second that they're experiencing a change. It could be seconds, right? Because that fine tuning there's a lot more tuning that can be done in a way. So I've noticed even just with working with clients that are not professional athletes, the amount of improvement in their life and their reaction timing, ability to drive at night, um, all of these things have improved vastly with reactive training. Mm, yeah, and, and if not more, right? Because right. If, you, if you think about elite athletes, they are already at such a high level of cognitive performance as it is just because they're they're constantly even without doing like this type of training during sport you're constantly reacting and making decisions and using so many high level cognitive processes at high, such a high speed that it's almost hard to try to bring that up another level right but right. with more of the average population if you can do this type of training with them, you're going to see more immediate gains because there's more of like, a, a, uh, there's more of a cushion of area to improve with them. So yeah, that's, it's incredible to see the, the results you can get with that general population as well. Well, and so uh, as we go into this, that, that actual shift, that, that neuroplastic change that takes place, it kind of houses in the nervous system. And you have a term that you use that you qualify kind of your app under is perceptual cognitive motor training. Can we talk about that a little bit? How would you describe that? Yeah, it's, I mean, that's that's a really tricky one too. It's coming into this, this is such a new field and there is so many different terms. So you can see it under dual tasking, under cognitive motor training, under reactive agility. All of these concepts are around the same thing and it's combining the brain and body and training. And we kind of wanted to create like an umbrella term where we can kind of uh, speak to all of these, especially in the way that the app can actually allow you to perform these types of training. And that's really where we where it came from. So what would be considered perceptual cognitive motor training is something that involves perceiving outside information, processing that information to make a decision, and then reacting with the physical movement. 
we had a guest on a previous episode, Dr. Jacob Weiss from Hand Eye Body mm -hmm. Academy. Yeah, he's awesome. And he was saying about, you know, if, if you don't care about this stuff, maybe you'll care when you go to drop your phone and you catch it and save yourself a thousand dollars, you know, mm. and it's this aspect. And, and I've seen it myself. I had this experience, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a restaurant and someone brought a plate of food to me and there was this little mustard container on the side of the plate that just toppled. And I was talking to my husband and I just dropped my hand to catch it and realized it was mustard flipped upside down. So I flipped it with my pinky to have it in my palm the right way. Totally unexpected, felt very boss in that moment. <laughs> but I, I know that it's from these types of trainings. I know it's from taking 10 minutes a day to do some reactive drills that has entered my nervous system to react in those moments that's necessary. And I think when people start to understand that this is not just professional athletes, and this is for mm. just daily living of stepping off a curb and being able to react to that, mm. or a dog charging you and being able to react to that, I think that that's when it changes for people. So when did you realize that your app was not just for athletes? Yeah, it, it was kind of like similar to what happened with you. And it was just like noticing all the different areas in your life. Like when you're walking in the city and you have to maneuver around people, like especially if you don't have those abilities and you're older and you're more uh, prone to injury, that can be a serious problem. If you can't move out of the way and you're tripping and then you fall and you break a hip. And I'm like, there's so many people who need this ability. And it got me kind of going to the research. I, I love to nerd out on research and see what's going on. Mm -hmm. And what was really interesting was seeing the research on combining the brain and body and training in comparison to training the brain and body separately, where a majority of the research is showing that it has similar, if not better results than training either of them separately. And kind of the argument to be made is if they're, cause if it's similar, you're like, okay, maybe I'll just do the easier one. But when it's similar, maybe one is more fun and maybe it's more engaging, which I'm sure you experience with this as well. You're, you're motivated to move when you're actually reacting to information because you're not in your head. So it's really yeah. that, yeah, that enjoyment, that health benefits, but also, like you said, the performance benefits where everybody needs this and, and even getting into like tactical training. So military and first responders, it's a life or death situation for them. So being able to quickly and accurately respond to information, I just knew there are so many different, different areas that this can go to and make such a big impact. That is such a big deal. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and actually that getting out of your head, a lot of people think that this is acting as a distraction rather than a, an increase of cognitive load in the right mm -hmm. way. And I think that, you know, a lot of people think, oh, so I did really well, or my knee didn't hurt because you distracted me rather than well, we, we didn't have room for the fluff and the talk that was not supporting the actual task at hand. And mm -hmm. that happened as I was going through, you know, trying to resolve the psychological impacts of knee injuries versus the actual physical damage of that knee being totally fine at that point. I did. I turned to your app and I did a ton of, you know, lunges and squats where mm -hmm. I would have to what to do and where to go based on the cues. And that changed everything for me because suddenly it wasn't these squats going up and down and having your mind think and hear everything about your knee and how it feels and how you want it to feel. 
and ultimately self-sabotaging. Yeah, that, I mean, it's, there's so many different areas to talk about with it. And that's, I feel like that's one of the more undervalued ones, but you're so right. Like not even just in terms of enjoyment, like thinking to yourself what you're doing. I mean, it's hard sometimes you're just like, I want to get this over with, but if you're motivated by something else, giving you cues to actually perform a movement, then you're out of your head and you're just performing it instinctually. And next thing you know, the actual training's over. That's amazing. There was a quote that I read about a philosophy class that you were in and was asked, who knows more about the color mm. red? A person who was born completely blind, but knows every single tangible fact about the color or someone with 20-20 vision who has seen the color, but knows nothing about the facts. I was really curious about this resonating with you. Why did it resonate with you? Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, I think about it all the time. And it's really that there's there's really two different ways to have knowledge about something, and that is truly experiencing it. So someone who really lives within a certain domain. So like we could use sports as, a, as an example, an athlete who is constantly playing a sport and trying new training techniques and figuring out what works and what doesn't. And then there is the researcher who maybe has never even stepped foot on a field, but knows all of the studies and the results and kind of like what the research says the methodology should be. And I think it's really being, what's important is having both of those, right? Because we're always learning, we're always trying to find out new things and really understanding what the research is saying is super important, but also being on the ground floor because where innovation is found is by actually doing things and performing them and hearing what other people think. So. That was just really stuck with me as something to never get caught in one area where I'm always researching or I'm always just doing, making sure I have experience in both. And that's something that's that's really stuck with me. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm really glad you explained it too, because it is goes back to that idea of the brain and the body and bringing them together. Um, the app was originally created for athletic conditioning, and we talked mm -hmm. about this being used for the general population. But as we really talk about neuroscience and neuroplasticity, using it for brain trauma, using it for neurological disorders, um, how do you see this dual tasking cognitive work changing in the last 10 years for people with Parkinson's and people with stroke rehab? You know, even putting the app aside, but how are you seeing all of this dual tasking or perceptual cognitive motor training changing what we've known in previous decades to what we've seen recently? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'll be honest, this isn't my particular um, expertise is, is the dual tasking for the rehabilitation and Parkinson's. I, I have some brief knowledge on it. I could talk to it a little bit, but uh, I don't know if you know Ryan Glatt. He's one of our science advisors. Yeah, so he's the one who's really deep into that field and he educates me a little bit. And it, it's similar to the way that we talked about sports though. It's not, it's not trying to segment um, physical exercise or cognitive tasks, but it's understanding that a lot of these things stem from true full neurological processing that involves both the brain and body. And by training in this way that better represents real life scenarios, you're able to better adapt to real life scenarios. So you're able to help yourself recover from these. And then as it gets into like, he was telling me about the neurological pathways involved with like Parkinson's and stuff. And I have notes on it, but I can't call to it too much. But from what he talks about, it does seem like a very, very promising opportunity. And it's 
apparently helping a lot of people right now. So it's super exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, the dual tasking aspect of it for Parkinson's and neurological disorders, also that integration aspect, right? Like, like we go back to the motto, decide, perceive, decide, react. It is this aspect that it's not just one thing, that, that as you see something, figure out what to do with that information, how you react to it. There's so many cortices of the brain lighting up. And the more we can light up, the better their brain health, right? They used to say mm. that choreography for dance, learning a new language and playing a musical instrument were some of the three best things you could do for brain health and cognitive mm. health. And, and now they're saying, well, yes, but that is because there is metronome and predictable beating and there's the auditory and the visual and there's the memorization mm choreography or learning and their speech patterning and all these other aspects that light up different parts of the brain. And I think what's happening now with things like your app and doing reactive training, we are restarting to light up that brain through fitness, which is a really mm. exciting time right now. Yeah. And, and like, I love how you brought up those other modalities too, because it's it's definitely not just the app. Like this is just one tool that belongs in a whole plethora of different ways. Like what you guys do, you have so many different ways you're training this. And like you talked about dance and you talked about, I mean, even just like yoga and things like that, these ways of combining physical and cognitive training, it's it's incredible. And I would honestly love to hear some more of, of your experience with the like Parkinson's and rehabilitation aspect of it, because I'm, I'm definitely trying to learn from more experts like you about it. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's really amazing. I think that uh, metronome training is one mm -hmm. of the things that we've noticed most in, in being able to help Parkinson's patients, giving them um, a, a positioning to go to. So what's really cool about it is with stepping, they get this freezing um, or they, you know, they get the stutter step. And mm. with Parkinson's, you suddenly now have these colored panels around the room and you give them this light that shines up and they have to step to that color. And that dual tasking aspect actually changes their confidence in their gait pattern, their balance stability. It's really amazing to see how all of this integrates because ultimately we're all brain derived, right? Regardless of what our goals are, I think the biggest thing is, is that we all want to be the highest performance level for our life. And mm. so I, a lot of people don't realize, well, they say, okay, I don't need this because I'm not a professional athlete, but they do need it because they should be as a high performance as possible for their life to make it as easy on them in their life. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where we always love throwing in the quality of life aspect. Like it's not just for your ability to perform in sports, but also what about when you're done with sports? You still wanna have a high level of brain function because that's one of the, the biggest areas of, um, of really like lower quality of life right now is having some sort of uh, brain or neurological disorders. So Alzheimer's and dementia are through the roof. So being able to prevent these in a fun and engaging way that you also get to improve your physical health, it just seems like a no brainer for something for people to start getting more into. I also think it lights it lights people up. It really brings joy mm -hmm. to people that were very active in their youth and lost that. Like, you know, you went on to continue a career in soccer and now you don't play. 
And if you play recreationally a little bit and this and that, possibly, but there's a whole gambit of people that were athletic in high school, maybe in college, and now 40 years have gone by and they have not played. And I believe that that is one of the things that is so important and we and we lose it. We lose this idea of doing it. We feel that we shouldn't be doing it anymore. And, and when we lose sports or play or exploration in our lives, we are actually doing ourselves a huge injustice as far as cognitive health. Yeah, yeah, that's something that I feel like is not, I mean, I know right when I stopped too, there was, there was a good period about uh, maybe a couple months where I just, I was so used to competing at a high level that I did not want to go and just play recreation. I like, it was too serious for me. So I just went and started lifting weights and doing traditional exercise. And I didn't get like the, that satisfaction or that energy from it because I'm so used to competing and so used to using all these different movement patterns and all these different abilities. So yeah, even me, I use it probably three, four times a week where I just add it, do some agility drills do some more unpredictable like core drills, like lunges or things like you said, just help me almost train like an athlete to feel like one again. And when I get back into my rec leagues now, I'm, I'm better than ever. So it's, it's I, definitely a fun I, way to continue training. I completely agree. This is, this has been awesome. So Brett, we have this thing I do in every single episode, which is me asking you a fire round, lightning round of questions. And it's going to be the first thing you can think of off the top of your head. All right. Okay. So working out, morning, afternoon, or night? Morning. Sweet or salty? Sweet. Planks or squats? Mm, squats. Shoes or barefoot? Shoes. But I hear a lot of good things about barefoot. I want to get into it more, but I've not <laughs> experimented too much with, with it. But yeah. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Beach or mountains? I'm going mountain. Music or silence? Music. Heat or cold? Heat. Inside or outside? Outside. Jasmine or peppermint? Peppermint. Spontaneous or planned? Spontaneous. Learn something new or perfect something known? Per, ah, that's tough. I'll go with perfect. I love, I love finding something and trying to be great at it, but I also do love trying new things. So that's a tough this, one. This last question gets every single one of us because we know how important both of them are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, I don't know. This was amazing. I know that we just like, shaved the tip of the iceberg in this conversation. Mm -hmm. But I want to thank you so much, Brett. Is there anything you would like to add to this that we missed that is really important for the listeners to hear about this conversation about this topic? Nothing I could think of. You covered a lot of it. I think it's just there's there's so many different areas that this has seen be an impact. And it's such a new and upcoming area. But it's it's great having people like you who are so outgoing and are so incredible at bringing people on. Like, I appreciate you bringing me on to bring more awareness to it. And I just, I'm really happy to be here and I appreciate you bringing me on. So this is really exciting. No, thank you so much. It was really a great privilege. I was so honored to get to chat with you. 
I respect everything you do and how you do it and the, the offerings that you have for more and more people to realize, regardless of where they are in life, that they should be doing this type of stuff. And for those of you listening, you know, as Brett and I have talked, there have been amazing achievements and advances that have taken place in brain development through fitness. So for all of you out there that feel like you cannot add another thing to your day, consider training a bit smarter rather than always just training harder. And we look forward to welcoming you to another episode of At The Core, and we hope you got something to take away from this one. Thank you so much for joining me and I hope you got something out of it. We'll have many more videos that help you with rehabbing your shoulder, low back, knees, and everything else that will allow you to be active and healthy through all the things that you love in life. Please feel free to follow us on all our various social media channels and we hope to see you back soon.